In Flanders' fields the poppies blow, Between the crosses, row on row that mark our place, And in the sky the larks, still bravely singing, fly, Scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' field. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. First published a hundred years ago, almost to the day, in December 1918, written in 1915 by Canadian physician Lieutenant Colonel John McRae, In Flanders' Fields remains one of the most moving pieces of literature ever spoken in the modern era. I bring it to you today, lest we forget. And I want to welcome you to Dead to Rights, the Remembrance Day special. I'm your host, Donna Carrick. We've got a really great show for you today. We're bringing you an interview with poetess Helen Burke, who lives in the UK. I don't have a review for you today. I will be reading Michelle Obama's book once it's released. It has not yet been released. And actually, I do plan to listen to it on Audible rather than read it. So I'll be bringing you a review of that in the near future. But for today, I don't have a review for you. Since the late 1970s, Helen Burke's poems have appeared in pamphlets, on greeting cards, on pieces of origami, on radio, on tape, on CD, on the side of stray dogs, and in a million other places, including more recently two collections from Valley Press, including the one I'm going to be speaking with Helen about today titled, Today the Birds Will Sing. And now, without further ado, please welcome... Helen Burke, author of Today the Birds Shall Sing. Hello, hi Donna. Good morning, Helen, and welcome to Dead to Rights. How are you today? I'm extremely well, and I uh, hope you are the same yourself, yeah. Yes, I am. And where are you located exactly? Uh, we are located in York, England, Old York. Okay. New York, Old York, yeah. And is that, uh, is that in the north in the of north the... Of Okay, okay. So your weather is good today? I see pictures from people posting online. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We're keeping busy and uh, busy, busy today, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. I wanted to talk to you uh, about your poetry because um, I know from looking at your bio that you and I are of the same generation. And uh, uh-huh. I know that there are still some poets left in the world, of course, but um, I wonder whether young people are really accessing poetry in the way that I certainly think they should. And um, yeah. you, you've got a gorgeous book out, which I, I've purchased and I've started to read, called Today the Book the Birds Will Sing. And, oh, come um, on, how lovely, thank you. Yeah, and I think you've also got a brand new book out, too, called The Whisper of Birds, is that right? Whisper of Birds is uh, hot off our, off our press here, uh, nestling in front of me on the table here, yeah. 
it's absolutely brand spanking new off the press, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Yes, yes. I didn't see that one when I was looking online. And you've also got some uh, CD called Rainbow's End. Now, is that poetry readings? That is poetry reading. That is me reading uh, a variety of poems, old and new, uh, with music by a very dear friend in America, uh, in Florida and Rhode Island, Kevin Keogh, uh, who is a, a Grammy nom- nominee person, yeah. Oh, lovely, lovely. That's nice. So you've got it scored and everything. Um, I yeah. really wanted I wanted to hear a little bit about Today the Birds Will Sing. What what um what brought you to bring that that collection of poems together in particular? Because you've got some lovely pieces in it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um what it is, uh Donna, it's a it's a compilation really of um uh my misspent years uh, writing poetry really, um over the last forty years. Um, my publisher put it to me that I might want to combine all the various uh, different books that I'd done uh, in under one sort of uh, heady little volume, and uh, that is really what we set out to do. Um, I mean, it's stuff that's never been published before in the early part of it, and then it's the various uh, other booklets uh, that I've done over the years, and we've just gone run amok, really, and amalgamated them all into that one book, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, that's a really wonderful idea, and your cover is gorgeous, too, for that. So it's, it really does draw people in. Uh, I'm assuming that you do readings. Do you do public readings of your poems? I do, yes. I've done readings for the last 40 years all over the world, really. Um, I, did, uh, I did some readings in America. I did readings in New York and Rhode Island. I've read in Paris. I've read in Belgium. I've read um, all over the place, really, and all over the U.K. And Have you been to Canada? Uh, we haven't. We haven't. Not as yet. No. Ah, so you'll have to do that. Um, the reason yeah. I ask about your public readings is uh, I want to get a sense of, is my gauge correct that younger people, I'm hoping that they're starting to access poetry a little bit, but my sense is that maybe they haven't really been made aware of poetry in the way that they should. I agree. I agree. I, I do. I think you're very right with that. Um, I, I read an article recently, which I wonder if you can resonate with, um, about um, uh, referring to that poetry voice, yeah? And mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure you've been to as many poetry readings as I've been to. You're aware that there is now um, a sort of school or metier out there that reads in a very deadpan way on poetry voice. And I think this tends to put younger people off. I'm so sure it to, would. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure you do the same. I try to read uh, wild and wide and, and wacky and say, hey, you know, poetry isn't about, you know, uh, cutting your wrists and, uh, and reading Chaucer. It's, poetry can actually be fun. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I think that that poetry for prose writers like myself, um, in every genre, having an access to poetry and to the cadence and to the rhythm and to the real meaning behind words um, on all layers, I think it lends so beautifully to prose writers that um, those who don't have an access to poetry, I think they're really missing out on something. I, I, I quite agree, yeah. I mean, I know you're, you're, uh, you're sort of crime and, and, and spy and, and all sorts of wonderful mystery stuff that you write. Um, but, I mean, I think if you, if you turn that again, as I'm sure you do, into poetry, um, people have got, as you say, they've got another chance to have a look at the cadence and the rhythm and the beauty of the world, and you can suddenly glimpse it. And it can, okay, it can be shorter, it can be concise, or it can be, even be a long ballad. But, you know, it, it can hold your interest and maintain your interest, and it can say such a lot. Uh, in a different way to prose, but mm-hmm. in a, you know, in, a, in just a, a wondrous way, I think, anyway. Yes, yes, and it becomes it becomes almost um, 
it becomes almost a physical thing, the poetry. Like I find when, um, when I want to reach deeper as a writer, this will sound maybe a little bit silly, but, uh, my eyes have to close and it has to come from within. And it becomes a voice that, uh, it can't possibly be plagiarized because it comes from so far deep within that, um, it, yes. it has to be unique. Absolutely, yes. And I'm, I'm just being put in mind of Emily Dickinson there. Um, I've just got a poem going shortly in an anthology where she's going to be featured as well. And I'm just so honoured because I guess she's my all-time favourite poet of all time. I was very lucky to go around Amherst when we were over in the States. And uh, I just resonate so much with her uniqueness and her unusual voice. I mean, how, you know, there's only there's only one Emily Dickinson yeah, mm-hmm. in, in, a, in mm-hmm. everybody's lifetime. I'm just wonderful yeah yes yes um now tell me a little bit about the cd that you've got out now which i believe is called rainbow's end it is it is yeah um it's a variety uh, of pieces on it um we've got uh, and it's got all our own artwork on the cover on the back same as the today the birds has and which because that's all uh, mine and my partner's artwork the whole time we utilize that um and the poems on the uh, on the new cd with kevin's music are uh, just a very wide-ranging, really, written, I guess, over the last two years and one or two a little bit before then. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of, hopefully, kind of something that will catch everybody's eye and that everybody can enjoy, I hope, yeah. So they're relatively new pieces. I know that you've got pieces that span over quite a number of years, um, but these yeah. are, are relatively new pieces on Rainbows and the CD. And where is it available for purchase? It is available for purchase from uh, Phil's website, yeah. Um, well, our joint website, I should say, which is www.crazyfills.co.uk. And all, a lot of my books, you've probably seen them on there. Okay. The and, and just give that website one more time, please. Yep, surely. Uh, uk. It's crazy with a K, as you know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, good, good. I'm glad you said that because this is all audio, so there's nothing to to see, you know. <laughs> nothing yeah, yeah, to see here, really, folks, yeah. but please listen. Um, and the book, The Whisper of Birds, is it available for sale now or is it pre-order? Or? Uh, that also can be pre-ordered on that website. If people just, uh, just email Phil from that website, we can get uh, those items to them at any one point, yes. Yeah. Okay, excellent, excellent. Now, what span of time does The Whisper of Birds cover? Is it all also mostly recent pieces, or are there older pieces? Um, they're a selection, really. I would say um, some older ones. It's all about birds, obviously. Um, poems about birds, because I love uh, the freedom and the flight of birds. So mm-hmm. the ones in there are both old and new. Old and new, so old and new ones, yeah. Okay. Um, well, as you, as you know, because we did discuss this in advance, um... I would love to have you read a piece, any piece that you think is appropriate. Now, we're going to air this on November 11th, so I don't know if you've got a piece that um, brings a particular piece to the soul. That would be really wonderful. I have, I have, because when you said that, I thought, aha, this is when you're going to uh, air this selection here. Um, I have a poem here that won the, uh, which is a very big prize in Britain, called the Manchester Poetry Prize, Um, and uh, it's called The Grens. And it's about um, an, an amazing thing that my father did in the war of getting 40 prisoners um, out from Belgium and France. He, he got them out to freedom uh, under cover of night. And it's about that, the, the guy judging the contest. That is wonderful. 
I really do. Yes, yes. It, it, I think that would be perfect, Helen. Thank you. Okay, okay. Uh, shall I launch in? Yep. Yes, please do. Okay. Um, this is the Grens. Trees, hundreds of them. Slim warriors, least bright blades. Between two of them, he saw the smallest face. They were on the Grens, the border. To this smallest, frightened face that looked from behind the border, that was trees, he made a sign. My father made the sign of the cross, called out, You have found a friend in the trees. He imparts good news slowly, with the king's air, till does. How many are you, he asked. The voice returned him. Forty. To take the wrong track at the border is easy done, so he must take them the longest route, but the safe one. Through the thickest of the forest they flitted, his own collection of butterflies to free a soil. It was dark before they parted, at the midnight. Crossing over, the last of them turned, made his own sign of the cross to a face between the trees, a young soldier. Left its shape there, in the wind, just above his head, a benediction on the front, the chance returned to them their souls. How many are you? The wind returns it. Forty. Helen, that's just beautiful. That is absolutely, uh, beautiful isn't the right word. I mean, I do have chills listening to it. I really do. It takes you back to history. And it yes. speaks to what we touched on very briefly, but we're going to talk more about the cadence yes. and the resonance yes. of the actual words, the individual words, yes. you know. And this, I know, I know what you mean, yes. Yeah, and this is a skill that I really encourage writers to try to acquire. And I want to ask you, what drew you first to poetry, and how did you know that you were acquiring that skill? Um, <laughs> I don't know, it's quite nice. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's a tough one, darling, yeah. Um, what drew me to poetry um, was, um, unfortunately, I used to be a dancer, um, but I got arthritis. And uh, when I couldn't do that, I thought, well, I've got to dance somehow. So I began to dance with words. And uh, that was what initially drew me to poetry at age 19, when I was actually going off to college to uh, do a degree. Dancing with words, indeed. And that has been Helen Burke, poetess from the UK and author of Today the Birds Shall Sing. I want to really thank Helen for bringing us that beautiful outlook on words and on how they should be used to dance because words are an art as well as a communication. They are how we reach each other on a, one of the most primitive levels. So to all the authors out there, I encourage you, study your poetry no matter what your genre for writing. Thank you, Helen. And now, in keeping with our Remembrance Day theme, I'm going to read to you from one of my favorite poems, titled Dover Beach by Matthew Arnold. The sea is calm tonight. The tide is full. The moon lies fair. Upon the straits, on the French coast, the light gleams and is gone. The cliffs of England stand, glimmering and vast, out in the tranquil bay. Come to the window, sweet is the night air. Only from the long line spray where the sea meets the moon-blanched land. Listen, you hear the grating roar of pebbles which the waves draw back and fling at their return up the high strand. 
begin and cease and then again begin with tremulous cadence slow and bring the eternal note of sadness in sophocles long ago heard it on the aegean and it brought into his mind the turbid ebb and flow of human misery we find also in the sound a thought hearing it by this distant northern sea the sea of faith was once too at the full and round earth's shore lay like the folds of a bright girdle furled but now i only hear its melancholy long withdrawing roar retreating to the breath of the night wind down the vast edges drear and naked shingles of the world ah love let us be true to one another for the world which seems to lie before us like a land of dreams so various so beautiful so new hath really neither joy nor love nor light nor certitude nor peace nor help from pain and we are here as on a darkling plain, swept with confused alarms of struggle and flight, where ignorant armies clash by night. And that was Matthew Arnold, born 1822, died 1888, still as relevant today as it was then. Thank you for joining us this week on Dead to Rights. If you're a published author and would like to be interviewed by myself, please contact me at Carrick Publishing at rogers.com and say Dead to Rights interview in the subject line. You can find us, Dead to Rights, at Facebook or on Twitter at Dead to Rights Pod. You can find, of course, myself and Alex on Twitter, Donna underscore Carrick or Alex underscore Carrick or at Carrick Pub. And we're also on Facebook. All music for Dead to Rights has been composed and performed by Ted Carrick. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. Free, yet it rides. Let it rot.